Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi there. My name is Julian and I produce the Dublin Story Slam. The Dublin Story Slam is a monthly open mic storytelling night that takes place every month here in Dublin. It's presented by comedian, broadcaster and all-around talented genius that is Colm O'Regan. And every month we invite members of the audience to get up and share true personal stories inspired by a different theme each month. Here on the podcast, you're going to hear the best of those stories and we curate them in a way that we like to combine stories that hopefully will, will give you a bit of a giggle, make you laugh out loud or even just bring a smile to your face, but also with those other stories that just maybe make you a little bit more thoughtful, maybe a little bit more thankful uh, for the world around you. So this is the Dublin Story Slam podcast. So last night we just had our mother's themed story slam and it was an incredibly emotionally charged night and even this morning I still feel a little stretched almost because there was a lot of laughter uh, but there was also some unbelievably poignant stories told about mothers and the amazing impact uh, that they have had on, on on shaping the lives of the storytellers. So it was an incredible, beautiful, magical night. We're going to be bringing you lots of stories from, from last night uh, over the next few uh, story slams. But if you're looking for a particular mother-themed uh, story, just check out the last episode uh, of the Dublin Story Slam podcast where Bridget Early told this beautiful story about how her mum was there for her when it really counted. So on this episode of the podcast though, we're going to focus on stories inspired by the theme Home and Away. We're going to start off with a story by Bobby Buckley. So Bobby got up and told a story on a night where the theme was hot and cold. And he told the story about Australia, a place that a lot of Irish people have visited over the years. Um, for those of you who, who do not like spiders, this might be one that you might want to avoid, but absolutely spellbinding story. This is Bobby Buckley. I also went to Australia. <laughs> Recently. But there was no romance for me. There was just my son, his wife, and 
his two sons. Now, the thing about Australia, it is, it is so hot, I'm never going back there. <laughs> My son would ring me and say, I hope to hell you're not out walking again. You walk to these places called bottled shops where they give you a cold bottle of beer and you put it in or they give you a free bag. When you bring it home, you look at it. It is now a hot <laughs> bottle of beer. It is so hot that the birds and the trees fall down dead <laughs> into their dead lawns. I said to my grandsons every evening, this is a dead kookaburra. <laughs> my son going, what the hell is wrong with you? It's a pigeon. <laughs> but anyway, the whole lawn began to be filled with those little crosses. It was like a scene from Dracula. Then I noticed as I walked the pavements, the ants walk along through all the crevices and cracks, queuing up in lines as if they're going for a January sale. <laughs> An Australian January sale. And that night, as you sweat with your one little sheet, they creep in through a crevice and they rape everything, <laughs> including my bottle of beer. <laughs> In the morning, it's apocalypse now. My son insecticide everywhere for what he forgot. This Australia is an ancient land an ancient people's wit revenge for insecticide. <laughs> the next evening, my son announced to me that we had a visitor in the hallway. It was a huntsman. Now, I want to tell you, all Europeans, that a huntsman is not a nice man in a wood chopping wood. A huntsman is a large, carnivorous Australian spider with hairy legs capable of consuming rats and mice. My first introduction to the huntsman was my son with a Dyson nozzle, full on. <laughs> it merely ruffled. <laughs> the hairs of this crab-like creature that looked both of us good on you, mate. My daughter-in-law turned to her husband 
then to me. I picked up the recipe of the Irish mammy, the wet tea towel. <laughs> I confronted a huntsman. He ran down the lintel of the door, down my naked leg. I was wearing shorts. I flipped him with the wet tea towel, and he struggled on his many legs. Eight, I think. And then I stamped upon him with my naked, calloused heel. My daughter-in-law was horrified, looked to her husband. What have we got here? You're useless. Your father has to come, and now he's out in the kitchen washing his leg <laughs> of the green blood, like as if I was a guilty Lady Macbeth. Easy known, I was an English teacher. <laughs> but nobody told me that a huntsman also had a mammy. Oh. The next night, as I lay struggling with my one sheet, <laughs> a booming knock came to my bedroom door, and something the size of a wombat. <laughs> I don't know the genus of these things, but all I know, in terror, I leapt through the open window, out through the garden with all those crosses, down through the streets with the seething ants, and past the closed bottle shop. The next day, my son picked me up in the hospital. What the hell happened? What is wrong with you? <laughs> in the last month in Ireland, I now look at my hallway, and there are webs. And are those spiders getting bigger? That was Bobby Buckley, who ended up winning that particular Story Slam, and so we'll go on to compete for our Grand Slam title uh, at the end of this year with seven other Story Slam winners. Next storyteller is Aoife Dunn. Now, this is a beautiful story from Aoife that is inspired by the away part, the getting away from home, something that we can all identify with, but also then what happens when you have to go back home. So this is Aoife Dunn. Okay, so I'm nearly 32, so uh, this story is about um, when I was 20, well I'm 32 and I know absolutely nothing about what I'm doing with my life or where I'm going, um, so when I was 23 I did, 
obviously, because everyone in their 20s thinks they know everything. Um, so I was 23 and I was headed off to Argentina, <clears throat> had my bags packed and we were flying to Rio de Janeiro because stupidly me and my friend were like, our dream was to go to Argentina and because we're from Ireland, we just figure everything's like two hours away. So <laughs> we looked at the map and we were like, oh, actually it's cheaper to fly to Rio. So we'll, we'll just hop on a bus to Buenos Aires and sure it'll be grand. And it took us um, like two weeks to get to. <laughs> Buenos Aires, turns out Brazil's really big. So that was the first mishap. But I remember like heading off and thinking, yeah, this is life. You know, I just spent two years in Spain, met the love of my life, um, he didn't shower and he had dreadlocks. So obviously, yeah, I was gonna have his babies. So yeah, um, and had like permanent fungal feet infections. So it was a really great choice on my behalf. And then I was like, oh my God, I found all life's answers. I'm just gonna travel the world and fuck all of you guys with your mortgages and your settled lives. And like, I kind of, I'm from a really small town in Ireland. So I was like, I kind of looked down on everybody cause I was like, you don't know. And I remember, you know, give my mom a big hug and kiss goodbye. And, you know, kind of just almost feeling sorry for her in a little small life in Canberra and Galway and headed off on my really cheap backpack to Rio on my three-week journey to Argentina. Um, and I learned a lot about things like linguistic differences. So I thought I spoke Spanish, but actually I spoke Spanish from Spain and not Argentina. And it turns out the verb tomar, uh, which means to take or to get, also means, excuse my language, to fuck in Argentina for absolutely no reason. That's all it means. So I was asking a lot of people to fuck me a pen um, for way too long. Can you fuck me a beer? So I learned that. Um, but anyways, as I was like, you know, roaming around Patagonia, like traversing the Andes, and I actually did weep at what I saw and I learned a lot about myself. And then I, you know, would come back to the hostel and be like, God, you know, thought I was Pocahontas, you know, scooping up water from the riverside and then having the absolute shits because you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> no, it's, you're supposed to not just take it from the grass where a dead sheep is there, you know. And anyways, I thought I had everything figured out. I was like, this is life. This is living, just traveling. And then I got the call um, as I was going to go into Bolivia with my best friend and... I got a phone call that my mom had died. And she was the fittest, she was fit as a fiddle, 53 years of age, super healthy. We were super close. And I actually picked up the phone thinking it was her because she was the only one who had my number. That and some <clears throat> random guy in Buenos Aires who definitely was calling me to give me some other sort of news. Anyways, I picked up the phone and, you know, and I remember the feeling when I heard like my mom's friend on the other side, I knew it was bad news. And it was like, and he said it straight away and I, I'd never forgive him. It was just your mom's dad. She had a heart attack. And I remember I just threw the phone on the ground and it was like, I don't know, it was like nails scraping down my throat. And immediately I had to get off the bus and luckily it was pulling in. And I just, you know, got sick and I just couldn't cope with this. And I remember holding onto the sink and my best friend rang me from Ireland and I was like, is it true? And she was like, yeah, I'm so sorry, we're all here, we tried. And it was December 5th and it was the winter, the cold, cold winter in, in Ireland. And I just remember I held onto the sink and I looked and I was like, I had everything planned. You know, the love of my life was going to join me in Argentina. We were going to travel, move back to Spain. Everything was planned in my head. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, it was like a big comet had hit a planet I called home. And I was like a dead star, you know, a star that had lost its light floating around in space. So I had to make my journey home. And 
I actually thought that the journey to Argentina was the one I, that would make me, but this is the one that sort of gave me sort of a new understanding of what life really was. And I was obviously heartbroken and I didn't want my friend to come with me. I said, no, this is your journey. And she was like, no, I have to. And then her mom, who's a principal of a school in Ireland, she called me up in the most loving and aggressive way ever. She was like, hello, Aoife, this is Sheila Coyle. And I was like, hi. And she goes, I'm very sorry about your mother's loss, but my daughter will be escorting you on every single leg of that journey. <laughs> I was like, okay. And she's like, I'm so sorry about your mother and I love you so much, goodbye. And I was like, just true principal style. And then uh, we got on a plane, and it was an Air France plane, and I was in between two people, and uh, me and my best friend, and I was obviously crying so much, and then the Air France uh, hostess came, and she understood what happened. So she moved this really full flight around so that we had our own four seats together, and she like crumped other people back with the staff, because it was a full flight just for us. And as I was leaving, she was crying, because she, she knew what happened, and she held me so close, and she gave me chocolates, and in her most sexiest French accent, she's like, this is for your papa. And I was like, how am I like so moved and turned on at the same time? <laughs> this is like really weird mix of emotions that I'm feeling. And so then, and then we arrived to um, Paris, and we got stranded there for 10 hours because of the snow. And there was a man there, and I think he must have seen me weeping into my friend's arms and just knew, you know, this wasn't good news that I was going home to. So he took it upon himself to come and sit with us. And he never asked me any questions, but he, he was from Boston. Or he's from Ireland, but he'd been living in Boston 10 years. And he told us so many stories, and boy, did he make me laugh and forget about my journey. I thought he hadn't seen me crying, but when we got to Dublin um, and I was leaving, I said goodbye, and he grabbed my hand and he pulled me in, and he held me so close, and he said, it's going to be okay. And I thought this is amazing, how does he know this? And I arrived at the airport, and seven of my closest friends had made the treacherous journey from Galway to Dublin in the ice and the freezing cold of Ireland to, to just carry me back to my mum. And when we got back to Galway, uh, to my little village, uh, two miles down to our house, every single neighbour had candles put out to guide me home. And to this place that I wanted to run from for so for so long, I thought I had all the understanding of what life was, and I never felt so connected to people. I never felt so grounded than that cold, wintry night on the 5th of December when I walked into my mom's house, and everybody was there. And embarrassingly so, um, some of my mom's yoga class were actually doing the, the warrior pose to guide me in. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's, that stuff happens all the time. Sorry, that's the passive-aggressive bang. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so these were all things that happened. That night I spent with um, five friends in a double bed, so that was um, every man's dream. Um, and I woke up at five in the morning and there were four women in my kitchen making soup and brown bread. And I truly believe this about funerals. These women don't actually exist. They are just like these ninja funeral women in Ireland. <laughs> And they have these ready, like when they get the call, there's a funeral, they're like, right, Mary, are you ready? Let's go. And they like, mission impossible, drop from the ceiling. I honestly don't know who they were. They were in my house every morning at 5 a.m. I just opened the door, like super sleepy. Don't worry, even now there's some soup here and there's tea now in the burka, or whatever the hell it's called. And I was like, okay. And there'll be a, a lasagna and Siobhan will drop down the casserole later, all right? Nobody eats casserole except at a funeral from these ninja women. And also we had no money and we were basically orphans because we didn't have a dad. So I realized afterwards that everyone in our village got together and set up a charity to pay for all mums at outstanding bills. And um, anyways, it wasn't until, I'm finishing your <laughs> it wasn't until I was standing there maybe four months later feeding my mum's chickens, taking care of my mum's children, 
and I had her wellies on and her jumper, and I was stood in her garden where she planted her flowers and surrounded by the love that she had harvested. And I watched as a farmer who really was never best pleased with the hippies, the blow-ins that moved in uh, 20 years previous. Um, he never really talked to my mum much, never had much to say, complained about his loads, but there he was fixing the fence and uh, painting it with his son. And he didn't say anything, he just looked over and gave me a nod, and I gave him a nod back. And there I realised that that's, that's what this was, that this is what life was, and I realised I hadn't died and I wasn't a dead star. It was just a second chance to kind of see love with the renewed sense of understanding for simplicity and, and love. And that's it. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. That was Aoife done there with a gorgeous story about coming home and I suppose the community really being there. And Aoife told that story uh, to kickstart off the night and it just captured a lot of people's hearts. I think they were almost reaching for the phone so they could call their mums afterwards. So thank you so much Aoife for sharing that. Our next and final story of the night is by a gentleman called Frank Diamond. Now, with a name like that, you expect him to be this very tall, enigmatic, charismatic gentleman. And that's exactly what he was. Frank got up on the stage, completely owned it, hadn't a clue what to expect or even hadn't really done anything like this before, but got up and took to the stage as if he was a natural this is a story that we were going to actually save for Christmas, but you know what? It's just so much fun, and I think it works really well with the other stories. It's the one that we've chosen to close out this episode of our Home and Away-themed Story Slam. So, this is Frank Diamond. Thank you. <laughs> so, hi everybody. My name is Frank Diamond. I come from Balahi in County Derry, so hopefully you understand my accent okay. I was a missionary priest for 14 years, and nine of those years I worked with tribes in Africa. 
I'm now married and blessed with two little girls, so you could say I'm a father in the real sense of the word, and it's the best thing ever. So my story was Christmas Eve 1995, and I was in Zambia, and I know I have a connection there, Mulishani Mukwai. That's hello in, in uh, Chibemba. Couldn't mean anything, you wouldn't be any the wiser, but anyway, <laughs> it does mean that. And uh, I was a young seminarian, 23 years of age from Munith, and I was out on a one-year placement. And I was with Father Donald from Scaries, and we were out in a very remote area in Zambia, working with the Chibemba tribe. And we headed out to one of the outstations to prepare for the midnight mass. So we arrived out on mud huts, elephant grass roof, etc. And the first thing the big chief and the tribe do is they welcome you and they feed you. Now the Chibemba tribe in Zambia, their main meat is dog meat. So the whole concept of hot dog took on a whole new meaning for me in Africa. <laughs> Thanks for laughing. And um, <laughs> <laughs> after we were fed and watered, um, it was getting dark, so there's no electricity in the middle of the bush, so they light a fire. So the community gathered around the fire and they brought out the goat skin and the dog skin drums and they started to bum, ba da bum, ba da bum, bum, bum. Now, as you know, Africans are full of rhythm and music and dance. And I got up and I joined in for butter crack and I'm doing an old uh, chicken dance and an old Egyptian thing and kind of doing, the flossing crack wasn't there at the time. But, um, and this big white man in the middle of the bush trying to dance, sure they were laughing their legs off, right? And then I play the guitar and I had the guitar with me and I chanced my arm at singing, God loves a trier. And I brought out the guitar, thanks again for laughing. I'm gonna bring you with me next time. So anyway, we were there, right? And I started, never seen the guitar before, I started to teach them the chorus of, I wish I was back home in Derry. So I have all these wee African kids here going, oh, I wish I was back home in Derry. And I haven't a clue where Derry is. And then I taught them the chorus of, oh, oh I wish you a Merry Christmas, because it was Christmas time. And I went down a bomb. And were they happy? Absolutely. With absolutely nothing materialistically, just the simplicity. It was a, a, a wonderful scene and proud to be a, a part of it. So after we had the music, then we moved to the Mud Hut Church. So it held about 150 people. It was uh, mud walls. The windows was just a hole in the wall at the side and you had the corrugated zinc roof. Mud altar at the top. So no electricity. So Father Donald had fixed up the lamp at the altar connected to the Land Rover and he was able to run the lamp through there. So I didn't have much of the language or anything. I was a seminary, so I was at the back of the church with the people. So if you can imagine pitch darkness, the smells, the heat, the sweat, the noise, the singing, different language and all the rest, and the light of the altar at the top of the Mud Hut Church. So the gospel for that night was John's gospel. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us was the main passage from there. So I was at the back and I came to the gospel and it was my first time away from home. I was thinking of my family. I was feeling a wee bit homesick and the tears started to well up. And as Father Donald said, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. I had my hands here and I could feel a small little hand holding my hand and squeezing it. And I looked down and there was a six year, five, six-year-old little girl looking up at me with the most beautiful smile. And all I could see was my teeth because it was so dark. <laughs> and that moment, that little girl became, the word became flesh for me. She represented Christ for me. And my homesickness went away straight away, and I was happy. And she stayed with me throughout the service. We went outside, met her family, 
and we had a great celebration. So after that then, I came back home a year later and continued the studies and um, I kept in touch with the family and uh, I helped support them. Their father died with HIV, so I was able to support them with some money to get them through education because in, in Africa you have to pay for school fees, everything you have to pay for, so I was able to do that. And uh, every Christmas Eve, I think of Joy. Her name was Joy, uh, Joy to the World, and she certainly brought that to me. And I think of Joy, and she's now uh, married, uh, she's a teacher, and she has two little boys, and one of them is called Frank. <laughs> Natasha McQuay. That was Frank Diamond, who everybody was just in love with him afterwards and, you know, wanted to, I'd say, would have gone to him back to that village uh, if he had asked him in a heartbeat. So that is it. That was our stories inspired by Home and Away. Our next story slam is the 29th of April. So head over to the thedublinstoryslam.com and sign up on the mailing list and then we will email you when those tickets go live. That is it for this month of the Dublin Story Slam. Thank you so much uh, for listening. Make sure to join that mailing list and we will talk to you on the next episode of the Dublin Story Slam. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 